Well, today we want to look at the, the last topic in Empowered, and it's this. We want to talk today about Empowered Service. Empowered Service. Our theme verse, it says it on here, Acts 1.8, at the very bottom, Acts 1.8, says this. You should know it by now. You should be able to quote it by now. It's our fifth week mentioning it, Acts 1.8. And you shall receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you shall what? It says you shall receive power so that you can sit in your chair and come to church and enjoy the, just the Spirit of God. Is that what it says? No, it says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you shall do something. You shall do kingdom activity. That's what it's really saying. You shall receive the power of the Holy Spirit, so that you, when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, then you shall do, so you say do, do. You shall do kingdom activity. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit is for a purpose. It's not for a show. It's for a purpose. It's to enable God's people to operate at a level beyond themselves in order to do kingdom activity for the Lord. Or in other words, maybe a better way to say it is for kingdom activity to be done through you. The Holy Spirit um, does more through us than any of us could ever do on our own. And I'm hoping in these last, this is fifth week, we're really starting to get that. It's getting ingrained into our spirit. Repetition is for emphasis, and that's the main point we're trying to emphasize. We need the Holy Spirit to operate through us because he wants to accomplish incredible things for us. So it says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall do kingdom activity. Another way of thinking about that is this. You say, the Holy Spirit will empower us to do kingdom service. The Holy Spirit empowers his people to serve. He empowers us even more clearly than just to serve. He empowers us to become servants. And I really think this is something we need to grasp because I think it's something that, especially in the Western church, we just don't get. But I want to lay it out for you today. The Holy Spirit empowers us to become servants. And I think in order to get this, we need to spend some time building a, just a theological or spiritual foundation upon which service stands upon. Because I really want us to understand that serving with the love of Jesus isn't just something that we choose to do or not do. Well, I choose to serve or I choose not to serve. Or it isn't just serving isn't just primarily an activity of the church. That, oh, I go to church to serve. Or I come in late so I don't have to serve. You know, that's not what it is. No. Being servants is what we become when we turn to Jesus as Savior and Lord. We turn to him for forgiveness of our sins, and we begin to follow him as our Savior. What happens is we become servants. See, the activity of the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The activity of the Holy Spirit within us transforms us from self-centered individuals into empowered Servants. So let me explain how this works by, by building a foundation. In the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, it says this. This is what happens in your life. It says, 
Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. What's, the, what's going on here? Peter is talking about our salvation here, right? So he's talking about being redeemed, being purchased by Christ. He's talking about our salvation. That all of us, um, when we're born, inherit from our forefathers or from our humanness, from our humanity. He says what we inherit isn't that you inherit a bunch of money. He says this is what you inherit. You inherit a futile way of life. That's what you inherit from your forefathers. Um, that all of us, he's saying, were born into a sin-corrupted world and a life um, that we're born into is futile, he says. It's empty and without God. That's the ultimate definition of futility. Wandering around this earth without purpose, doing what all you do, working, striving to try to find happiness in a way that's impossible to find because you're living without God, which brings you to emptiness in your life. He says that's a condition you were born into. But then he goes on to say in, in First Peter here, but you were redeemed, he said. You were redeemed or you were purchased. We maybe we'll use that word a little more. You were purchased. He says you were purchased from something to something. You were purchased from that old life of sin. And, and you, were, you were purchased with the most precious and valuable thing there is anywhere ever that's existed in the universe. He says what you were purchased with from that old life is the blood of Jesus. And when Jesus shed his blood on the cross, what he was doing was paying for the debt that we all were born into, we all inherited, that sin debt that caused us to be separated from God. And he says in in 1 Peter that nothing else could do that. He says no amount of silver or gold could accomplish in your life what Jesus wanted to accomplish. Only Jesus could purchase us. He took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. He redeemed us. He paid for us. He bought us. Now, here's what we need to understand about this. When he did that, something very real happened. He purchased us from this old life, and he says, and something very real happened to us. That if you've really come to know Jesus, what's happened is you've become different than you were before. And the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, explains it like this. He says, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness. Remember, we're, being trans- we're, we're getting rescued out of something. He rescued us from this domain of darkness, and he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So he says, when we respond to Jesus' invitation to come to him for forgiveness of our sins, he says, change happens. You don't just... This, Coming to Jesus isn't like you're just coming and joining a church. Or some people say they, they got religion. No. It says what happens here is we are rescued from Satan's darkness and his rule and his nature. And we are transferred into God's kingdom. And get this, when we become part of God's kingdom, we're transferred into this kingdom where we take on the spirit, right? You receive power when the spirit comes upon you. And you get the spirit and the nature of King Jesus. So what happens when it happens? You're, you're purchased out of this, and you're transferred from this old kingdom to a new kingdom, darkness to light, and you shed the old, and you put on this new. What happens? Well, positionally, in God's eyes, what happens is his righteousness, his goodness, his character is given to us. 
It's imputed, it's called. Imputed. It's given to us on that, in that instant. So that when the Father looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. He sees us as complete and whole. That's what, that's what happens at salvation. But something else also happens. That's happening where, as God looks at us, that happens. But we know something. I'm not 100% changed. So we also are changing on the inside. So practically, day by day, as we walk with Jesus, we are becoming more and more like Christ in character on the inside. That his character is slowly replacing ours as we yield to his lordship. Now, the reason this is so important to get here, this transition, this change that takes place, is that for us to really understand serving, we need to understand who are we are becoming, from what to what. We need to understand our true identity once we come to Christ. Who or what, here's the question for us today, who or what are we becoming as those who have been rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred into God's glorious kingdom, his glorious light, empowered by his spirit? What are we becoming when we make that transition, when we ask Christ into our life, and he says this change happens, what happens in us? Now understand, your answer to this question will determine everything about your life. I think because we don't really ask this question of ourselves, we don't think of our identity often, that we, we muddle the rest of our life trying to figure out what we're supposed to do. The answer to this question will literally affect the rest of your life. So who or what are we becoming as those who have been rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred into God's glorious kingdom of light, empowered by a spirit? We're going from what? We know this. We inherited garbage. We inherited separation. We inherited sin. But what are we becoming when we come into the kingdom? Here's your answer. God's answer from God's word. We are becoming servants. That's what God's word teaches us. We're becoming servants. Let's look what Jesus has to say about that. Jesus clearly communicates this to his followers. Open your Bible to John chapter 13. You see what Jesus has to say about this. He's going to talk about what he wants his his followers to become. John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. We're going to read down to verse 17. It's a very familiar section of Scripture. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and he laid aside his garments and taking a towel, a big blanket basically, And he girded himself with it. Verse 5. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. And Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part in me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my 
feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? Now listen, verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. So he says, listen, you're saying I'm this high position of authority and responsibility. He says, you're right. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, as a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Verse 15. He says, he does this, he washes his feet, and he says, I'm giving you an example that you should do as I do. In other words, you should serve as I serve. Listen. Jesus understood his identity. He knew that he was a servant. Now he understood he was Messiah. He understood he was Lord. And in our eyes, somehow we can't be both. Jesus is trying to say, yes, you can. That you can be this person with great responsibility. You can be the business owner. You can be the executive. You can be whatever. And you can still be a servant. Because it's your identity. See, Jesus knew his identity. He knew that he was a servant. He had earlier stated um, this in John chapter 20. He said, but the Son of Man, referring to himself, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, Jesus understood his true identity. He knew he was a servant, so he served. And because of that, there was no conflict internally when he served, for him to do this, because he knew as a spirit-empowered servant that servants serve, so he had no problem taking a towel and washing his disciples' feet. And Jesus says to his followers, in this very dramatic style here, he, he washes their feet. Remember, they're sandal-wearing, dirt-walking-in, dirty-feeted disciples. And he stops and he gets a basin of water and a towel, and he washes their feet, the lowliest of servant duties. And he says, now you do as I did to you. He says, serve. The Holy Spirit is empowering you to be servants. Friends, the reason there is often conflict within us when we are called on to serve is because we really don't understand our true identity in Christ. In Christ, you and I, what we are, what we are becoming, We are empowered servants, as Jesus is an empowered servant. That's our high and holy calling. And so often we misunderstand this. We want to keep on thinking and acting like we did before we were transformed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That's why we had to go all the way back and talk about that stuff. Because we want to think like the the mind we inherited. We want to dominate through power and position and and cunning. 
We want to be seen by everybody around us as great and important. We want to be saluted and, and praised and, and told a good so that everybody serves us. That's the way of the world. Other places in Scripture, Jesus, Jesus deals with that. But Jesus says something that's, that's mind-boggling. If you don't understand, you've been transferred from this to this. He says greatness comes through service. He says greatness comes through living out your true identity in Christ, and that is being a servant. That's why he says these crazy statements. The last shall be first. The least are the greatest. How does that make sense? It only makes sense when you understand your identity. That you find joy and completeness when you live out your identity, and your identity and my identity is we're servants. Sure, I can still be the leader. But a leader needs to rise to power in order to dominate other people. The leader rises to power, or God rises him to power so that he can serve people around him. That we are servants. That's our true identity in Christ. You know what? With great joy in your heart right now. Tell the person next to you, say, you know what? I'm a servant. I'm a servant. That's who you are, and that's who you are becoming. If you are a Christian. If you don't like that, then don't follow Jesus. Simple as that. You know, there's, there's this line. You don't have to follow Jesus if you don't want. He calls us to something when we follow him. He gives us a choice. And he says, listen, I've got something better for you than anything this world offers. This empowered servanthood where you're going you're gonna to rise in, your, in, in my kingdom. You're going to rise in, your, in the joy of your life. But it's not going to come the way the world does it. It's going to come through servants. He whose last is going to be first. The least are the greatest. I'm a servant. I love saying I'm a servant. Because you know what? I'm saying I'm like Jesus. If you're a Christian, then he says you are, and you're becoming a greater extent a servant. It's your identity. And friends, it's God's, God's plan is to empower us with the Holy Spirit so that we can live out our identity. That's what he's doing. He's giving you his spirit so you can become who he made you to become. And that's a servant. Well, we believe this so strongly here at Portview that we are making some changes around here to, to force us to live this out. We're making um, a staffing change that will put more attention on serving. The opposite of what's going on in the world today. So starting tomorrow, and we all know this, but starting tomorrow, Pastor Mitch will be joining our staff full-time from part-time to full-time. And... And part of the reason we're doing this is because of this topic. It's why we waited to do this until this topic till today. Part of what he will be doing will be intentionally targeting our level of serving in and through Portview Church. We're going to really accomplish this in two ways. First of all, Pastor Mitch is taking on the responsibility of our buildings and our grounds, but with a change. I could have simply... Hired when, when Manuel, who's done a phenomenal job, says, Pastor, I need to switch this other full-time job. Um, you know, he's part-time here and part-time somewhere else. I could have just hired somebody else. But we looked at it and said, God, how can we advance the mission of the church? And so I said, we, we talked and we said, you know what? How about 
if we combine this with another with, with Pastor Mitch's um, for portfolio, and we change what we do. His objective for this is going to be to, com- com- to create more opportunities for all of us to serve here at Portview. That he will be creating teams for, for things like cleaning and maintenance and cutting the grass and weed whacking and, and looking at the furnaces, whatever. We're doing this on purpose. It's the harder thing to do. It would be easier to hire somebody. But we said we believe in serving so much that in essence what we're doing is we're forcing ourselves to fulfill our identity as servants. We're going to say, okay, Pastor Mitch, put you in this position where you're going to call us as a church to find a place to serve. You know, our church is maybe is somewhat better than a lot of, if you look at statistics. The statistic is generally 10% of the people do 90% of the work. It's also 10% of the people give 90% of the money. You know, that's true. That's true at Portview. Maybe 20%, could maybe 80%. There's a rule that says, um, the Preto principle says that 20% do 80%. We're a little higher than that. We've got more people involved. But we've got a lot of people who come as spectators. God's plan for you is not to be a spectator. You don't find fulfillment in life as a spectator. And so we're trying to say, let's create some more, some more opportunities. We're saying, maybe we're not creating enough opportunities. And so we're making a staffing change that will, in essence, force us to fulfill our identity as servants and just say, let's open up opportunities. Let's put somebody in charge of creating those opportunities so that we do the things of this church, that, that we love this church. I love my church. I hope you love Portview. I want to see it blessed and go well, and, and I want all of us to be, feel like we're a part of it. So that's the first way we're going to try to accomplish this this helping us fulfill our identity and service. The second way is this. Pastor Mitch will be taking over some responsibility in our church administration, overseeing finance and some of the management responsibilities. And the reason that is, is that's going to free me up to focus more energy on creating outreach service opportunities into our community, which is really my wheelhouse. Until here, I've been a church planter. I'm the guy who gets into that town with no church and figures out how do you reach people. But since I've been here the six years, it's been pretty much just trying to create the right structure in this church. And we're doing great as a church. We're doing wonderful as a church. And we're saying, but now it's time to step it up. We're saying, so Pastor Mitch is going to take some of my responsibility um, so that I can be freer to now more time to figure out how are, we, how are we going to serve this community? Because that's how we're going to reach this community. You serve them and you earn the right to then speak into their lives. So... What I want to do at this time is I'm going to invite Pastor Mitch to come on up here once with me and give you a microphone here. Make sure you're on. Dude, it's almost dead. See if it, see if it works. I'm going to invite him to come up here with me. By the way, congratulations on your promotion. Thank you. Thank you. And I say that, I say that promotion very intentionally because a lot of people in the world would say, uh, are you nuts? Pastor Mitch is a CPA for Johnson Control, the largest employer in the state of Wisconsin. Um, a really good job in the world's eyes. Mm-hmm. You've worked really hard. But I believe this is a promotion um, in the kingdom of God, right. saying you're going from, from doing this kind of on the side. I don't know how you've ever done it. Full-time, big responsibility job, and then doing youth and being involved in a whole bunch of other things. But now you're saying, I want to be on this team full-time, mm-hmm. which says you believe in what we're doing. Absolutely. And so what I want to do with Pastor Mitchell, we've sat down a number of times and talked about this stuff um, in order to say, is this the right fit? I want to discuss some things about serving mm-hmm. with you. And so um, yeah. I'm going to throw a few questions out to you and let you 
you tell us what you think about it and, and get us, help us to understand. So, so today, as I've been preaching, I've been establishing that our identity as Christians is that we are servants. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a statement that goes along with it that I didn't say today, but I've, you probably heard it kicked around in, in church circles. It says this, we've been saved to serve. What do you think about that statement? I think it's really true because it, it does go along with what our identity is. And, you know, as we, we think about that, uh, a common verse that goes along with that phrase is Ephesians, in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, uh, we're very familiar with the first part. It says, for you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. But then, a lot of times we just stop there, because that's kind of the salvation say, message. Hey, it's all free, don't a- have to do anything. Absolutely, absolutely. And it is, it, that's like the crux of our salvation, and what we really believe. But then it goes on and says, for, in verse 10, for we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them, in those good works. And, you know, it goes to that point of, you know, yes, it is free. We don't have to earn our salvation by doing good works, but it goes on and, and says, but what will happen over time as you become closer and become more and more like God or like Christ, that you're going to do good works because of your salvation, because of what Christ has done in you, you're going to want to do acts of service. And, and I think that's really true, you know, that as we grow in Christ, we're going to take on that nature, just like you were talking about, of uh, of Christ, that we are going to want to serve others because of our love, not only for God, but also for others, as we just have that heart to see people drawn closer to God and, and to have that saving relationship with him. Yeah. And that, so that goes back to when we talked about identity. It says we've been saved mm-hmm. by no, no works of ourselves, right. but for something. When saved for, so he's really kind of saying the same thing. That you brought that text up. That's really saying kind of the same thing. I should have used that text. There you go. <laughs> saying that we're saved for good works. That's what we were created for. Absolutely. And so, um, all right, so we're saved to serve. Absolutely. Let me throw another question for you. Because I can understand somebody in their mind saying this. How can cutting the lawn or vacuuming the floor uh, be considered serving God or considered anything important? How can, how can that have any accomplish anything to say, like, no, you know, the worship team, they accomplish important stuff. Or mm-hmm. Pastor Mark, you know, he's preaching the word. He accomplishes important stuff. People talk that, that way. Uh, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that's true. Um, how can cutting the lawn or vacuuming or, or um, whatever service we could do around here, how can that accomplish, how can that be serving God? Well, I think it, it ties all in with the overall mission. So a couple of weeks ago we talked about empowered missions and that we are to be engaged in the, the idea of seeking and saving the lost. And so I think everything that we do as a body should be functioning together. So, you know, whether whatever part of the body we might be tagged with, we're, we all need to be functioning together so that people's lives can be impacted, that we can be out seeking and saving the lost. And, you know, I think of um, things like that. Yeah, cutting the lawn or, or vacuuming or cleaning toilets. How does that really accomplish By that way, mission? I'm cleaning the main toilets. I volunteered already. Everyone heard that? I volunteered. Yeah. Those are my bathrooms from now on. Those are your bathrooms. Those are mine. Okay. There's a problem, talk to me. So the Larson men's room and the Larson women's room will now be in effect. Okay, great. But I think it goes even to, you know, I was thinking about this, and 
in Romans 10, it talks about how will they hear unless someone is sent. And I think to an extent, you know, it, it stops at how will, you know, how will they hear unless someone is sent? But it could even go a step beyond that and say, how will someone even feel comfortable unless there is a, a nice environment? I mean, let's be honest. We all like to come to a nicer place, one that is not run down, one that doesn't look dirty or creepy or, or you know, anything like that. And so we want to come to a place that looks nice. And it speaks to the glory of God. Absolutely. God is great. We should have a great place, right? Absolutely. We take care of our church because we care. You know, we're people who care here at Portview, and we're going to show that through a variety of ways, one of them being that we take care of our, our building and our grounds and, and the different things of the church. And so by someone coming in and, you know, cutting the lawn, it doesn't look like it's been neglected or things are getting overgrown. Um, you know, it shows that you're taking proper care. Or, you know, I think of during our snow months, <laughs> however long that might be, um, you know, by people. Yeah, too long. <sighs> feels like we were back at it yesterday. Yeah. Um, but we get to that point where, uh, you know, if people are clearing the sidewalks, you know, that's creating an environment for people to have the ability to get in the door. Yeah. Right. Because otherwise, who wants to trudge through a foot and a half of snow just to get into the building? And then you have to warm up for like 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, so if 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 and we you are know what? people think that happens by itself. Did you know what? that the snow shoveling fairies come around? Well, I you usually that doesn't happen. I usually part the, the snow and you part and, the you snow. Know. You're Moses. You're, yeah. Yeah. So you mean people have to actually do that? Right. Oh. Right. I didn't know that. Yeah. Usually it's someone has to part the snow with the shovel That's right. or, or, or something or like that. Yeah, exactly. But to, to do those types of things, it, it helps create that environment that, okay, think about it. If, if it wasn't done, someone is going to have to struggle to get in the door and they're, they're either be upset or they're going to be frustrated or ticked off that, okay, my shoes that I just bought yesterday are, are now nasty um, because they're all wet and, you know, no one likes wet feet in their shoes. Uh, you, you know, so it's those types of things. And, yes, it boils down to really practical ways. But think about it. If those things aren't done, um, you know, who would like to be stuck in the, in, in, the, in the restroom and find out, oh, there's no toilet paper in there? Mm. You know, it's, it's, that's not a good feeling. So it's all of those types of things. Yes, yeah, it's really not a good feeling. Um, but it's, it's, it's those things that if we don't take the care and the time to do it, you know, people can be turned away from the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, or even just coming in and having that ability to hear because they're fuming over, okay, I had to walk through the snow. There was no toilet paper in the bathroom. It's a bad you know? morning. Exactly. <laughs> the coffee is only decaf. You know, it's, it's, it's all of those types of things. It's my fault. Well, or Gary's. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. He makes it for me. Yes. But I, I think it's all of those types of things. And, it, you know, it, this is something that is not new to what we're trying to do here at Portview. I think, you know, going back to even the Old Testament temple, they had people who were designated for different functions of, of just upkeeping the tabernacle and then the temple. And, you know, we're just carrying that forward and trying to really re engage and reinstitute that thought process uh, by serving that way. You know, we have, um, we call him Portview Peter out here. I should mm-hmm. probably put a picture of him up. But Portview Pete is our, our image of our, our five purposes that are the biblical New Testament purposes of the church. Well, his left leg, 
I think, is his left leg on that, is serving passionately the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. So what we're kind of saying is, uh, we know we're supposed to do this. Let's make sure we do it on purpose. Right. So we're, so we're, we're staffing towards that. Right. We're staffing towards accomplishing what we're supposed to accomplish. Right, because you know, even in the business world, it's, it's those things of when you target certain things, you know that they will get done because you're monitoring them, you're focusing on them. And so that's really all that we're trying to do is, is let's, let's bring that awareness so that we can all uh, be energized and, and focused on, on that uh, thought. Let me throw something out at you here. Um, St. Augustine. There's a quote from St. Augustine. It says, Do you wish to rise? Um, begin by descending. You plan a tower that will pierce the... It's asking a question. Do you plan a tower that will pierce the clouds? Lay first the foundation of humility. So, he's saying this, basically. Great things begin with humility. So how does serving reinforce humility? If humility is such an important thing, and it is, scripturally. Mm-hmm. Humility, we talked about it in our men's night. By the way, men, anybody have their uh, bracelet on this morning? I see a couple of them out there. That means you spend some time with Jesus today. All right. Um, and so we talked about it then, that humility is, is the most important thing, mm-hmm. and that pride is the thing that overcomes that. So how does serving reinforce humility? Well, I think, you know, the idea of a servant is that we are doing things in a lower position. So as a servant, usually there is a master in that relationship. So uh, as a servant, we are going to be in a lower position, which obviously brings about some humility in, in that process. And, and so when we do things of service and we're serving others, we're placing them in a higher position, at least just in that relationship, um, so that we can reposition ourselves uh, into that, that place of humility so that we're saying, God, I'm going to, you know, I could be this, but I'm going to take and, and make sure that I have an attitude where I'm focused on others and I'm serving others. And, and so that really brings about that idea of humility. You know, Philippians 2 talks about where Christ emptied himself of all that he had and he brought himself lower, made himself lower as a, as a man so that he could serve. And I think it's that same idea that, you know, it teaches us as men and women that it's not all about me. I am not the center of the universe. We're not? I try not to be. That's right. We're not, are we? Yeah, we're not. Um, You know, it's not all about me, and so I want to do what I can to help others and, and to serve others. You know, and when we serve, we're placing ourselves in a lower position on purpose. You know, it's, it's an intentional thing that just like Christ did when he came down, we're doing the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Washing feet. And, you know, I think most of us can be very grateful that we don't do that much anymore. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we wash others' feet in different ways. We're, we're serving them in different ways. And, you know, really the list is limitless as far as what we can do just within the church itself, not speaking even about some of the outreach things that we could do as well. Makes sense, and that's what we see um, in Jesus. And, I, and I, I tried to make a point of it in the text um, from John 13: is Jesus acknowledged? He says, "You call me teacher and Lord, and I am." Mm-hmm. He didn't say, "Oh no, I'm not. I'm just a groveling little whatever." Um, he said, "No, I am your teacher and I'm the Lord." Right. He he took responsibility. He took position of authority, um, where you know he, in that authority position, he would say to Peter, "Get behind me, Satan." 
right. where he, he didn't stop acting in his authoritative manner. But as an, still an authoritative person, he says, you know what? I'm going to wash your feet. Mm-hmm. And so he humbled himself. Right. Jesus is that we want to understand, if we want to understand perfectly what the perfect human is, we look at Jesus. Right. So there's this guy who took great responsibility. I mean, he led, a, he led a revolution that we're sitting in chairs here talking about it today because of what he did 2,000 years ago. Right. So he was an incredible leader. But he, he understood his identity as just a servant. Absolutely. And so, I, so that, that connection between servanthood and, and um, humility. And, and, you know, we battle this in our culture today. Matter of fact, there's a recent book, not a Christian book, but a recent book put out called The Big Me. Mm-hmm. And it's talking about um, how we've created a society that everybody believes that they're the center of the universe. And now secular sociologists are looking at it and going, we're destroying our culture. Because everybody thinks, and I, I mentioned this one time in our Wednesday night group, and my daughter-in-law, Sam, she said a thing that she's heard of. She goes, oh, we're all special snowflakes. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's it. We're all special little snowflakes. Now, we are special because we're, right. we're made in the image of God. But it's not all about me. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, all, it's all about Jesus. And so Jesus comes down and he says, um, serve. It, because he wants us to understand this humility thing. So what could it do for our families if we serve together? Right. They see dad who's the, the, the head of the house and maybe the businessman or whatever. And dad's, dad's saying, come on. It's Tuesday night, and Tuesday night is when we go clean the toilets at church. Mm-hmm. And they go, Dad doesn't think he's too good to do this. Right. Because Dad's like Jesus. Because right. Jesus, Jesus washed feet. You know, what did they walk in? He washed their feet. Yep. And so this humility is a big deal. Yep. And, it's, and it's countercultural. That's right. what we want to do. The church is countercultural. Absolutely. We want to be countercultural. So. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, a big thing because, you know, as... You know, especially in Ozaki County, a lot of people are upwardly mobile. You know, we're we're advancing in careers, and you know, we're we get to places of leadership in, in our in our roles and in, in, in positions at work. You know, we may own our own business. We may you know uh, just have kind of we may work in that professional environment where some of these things are completely countercultural. But when we can st- stop and like you said, recognize our identity, that each one of us is a servant. No matter who we are, whether we clean toilets for a living or, you know, we're the, the senior executive in an organization, you know, we are all equal before Christ, and we're all servants. And so then when we take it that step further and we can uh, begin to uh, model that level of humility for our kids and our family members, I mean, it doesn't just have to be our kids. I mean, I think it can be extended families sure. as well. You know, they can see... You know, so and so. Wow, they're they're going and they're doing things in the church because they want to serve. I think that can speak volumes, and I think we will begin to see over time that it's it's going to send a huge message that there's something different about this church, mm-hmm. um, and it's not just okay. There's something different, but there's <laughs> there's something unique and special that they've got something that I don't have. And it can speak volumes to say, you know, that might be something that I want to check out and, and really get an understanding of why do they do that. And, and so I think it's not only for um, immediate family, but I think that's a great part. And it goes back to the empowered families. You know, as we model things for our families, they begin to see and they will begin to take that up as well, at those, those attitudes and those lifestyles. Um, and, you know, sometimes we can, my wife and I will joke you know, when we see something in our kids that may not be the, always the best trait, we can say, 
Oh, that's so you. Uh, <laughs> you know, but wouldn't it be great when you can, and, and so we usually say that one under our breath in front of our children. But, you know, the good things we try to praise in front of our kids and, and say, you know, that's, that's really amazing that Amy's able to do this. But I think even if they can begin to recognize those things in us and we can see those characteristics coming through, not, not only in us, but then in our children, I think that just shows some of that empowered families as well. Amen. Amen. One more question. Um, and then I'm just going to give you a chance just to talk about some of the opportunities in this. So um, how does serving reveal God's heart? How do you think, it, and maybe we talked about it a little bit, but how does it reveal God's heart? Because isn't that what we want to do? We want to reveal the heart of God. Right, right. So I think it, it really boils down to, and not to be cliche, but God is love, right? That God has a heart and, and just a, a, of love and a passion for people and, and just wanting to have that relationship with everyone. And I think if we can begin to model that, we show God at work in our own lives and his heart coming through as well. So as we, you know, as we talked about having that progressive uh, transformation, we can begin to be, or we become more and more like Christ every day. And it, that begins to come out. And I think we then become people who want to serve. And we we want to uh, not only help others, but we want to uh, do things that bring glory and honor to God in our everyday lives. You know, do whatever we do to the glory of God. And and so I think it's it's something that when we serve, we're showing that we care, mm-hmm. and, you know, and that we love God, we love others, um, and, and that it begins to reflect his heart in our own lives, mm-hmm. that he cares so much for us, and we're just beginning to, as we become more and more like him, kind of return that and, and live that out in our everyday lives. I think it's not only that, but I think it also testifies to his love and what he's done in our lives, and it shows that you know, people will see that there's a transformation in our lives and they're seeing that we care more and more and more, you know, and I think it's one of those things, again, perhaps cliche, but a lot of times people won't care about what you believe um, until they believe that you care. Absolutely. And, And so I think that's something that as we are serving, as we are doing things for, for God and for others, people are going to see that we care. They're going to see it by our actions. It's not just our words that are coming out of our mouths, but it's our actions that are speaking volumes as well. I agree. So the service stuff's pretty important. Yes. Um, this is a big, a big change, um, mm-hmm. a risk. We're, we're at a time where um, we're saying, uh, let's, take a, let's take a step of faith mm-hmm. as a church to bring somebody else on full time. But I believe when you do what God wants you to do, um, God will honor that. Absolutely. And so will you talk about uh, some of the serving opportunities that you're going to be creating here at Portview? Maybe I mentioned them already, but just talk about some of the ones that you're going to do. And, and uh, I know you, have, you don't have this all figured out yet because right. tomorrow's your official first day of work. Right. You, didn't stop, you stopped your other day at the end of the day on Thursday. Right. So you're not taking two weeks off in the middle. No. <laughs> One <No>. day. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and in that time, you had to meet with me. Right. right. <laughs> um, but... Um, um, and go to and go to graduation parties. Absolutely, Mr. Youth. Those are awesome. Yeah, they were good food. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but um, so I know this is going to develop a lot more in the future. But right. just kind of give us an idea on some of the kind of opportunities, or you know, what what are you thinking about? Yeah. So I think one of the things that I'd really like to uh, do through this is 
where people don't get scared off because oh, I'm going to have to do this all by myself. It's all I, in my opinion, it's always fun, more fun when you can do things as teams, where you're getting together with people um, and you're able to accomplish whatever the function is. Um, so, my one of my goals initially is that we're creating teams. Now, if you're wanting to work alone in solitude, we can we have something for you as well. Don't get me wrong. I just need to clear my head. That's fine. We will find something. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of times it's fun to do things in teams where, uh, you know, maybe it's that you're doing things in the flower beds outside and you're weeding them and you get together every other week um, with three or four people and you're weeding or and you're taking care of the flowers and, and, and the plants, um, you know, just doing that general care, things like that. Things like cutting the lawn. Obviously, we have a lot of grass all around us uh, on this campus. To and a cut. really cool lawnmower. And a cool lawnmower. <laughs> I can't wait. Wait. Okay. Well, anyway. Um, so I think, you know, to be able to have teams that will uh, come out and, and, and take care of cutting the lawn and, you know, just making sure that that looks nice. And those would be obviously during our non-snow months. That's right. um, during our snow months, we would love it if people could come out and uh, snowblow the sidewalks. Okay, we're not talking about all of the parking lot or anything. We we actually have uh, a company that does that. But to be able to come out and shovel and, and snowblow sidewalks um, when it snows, um, obviously you can't predict that or plan for it. But just kind of knowing that, especially for Sunday mornings, making sure that everything's clear and ready to go, um, that's always a good thing. Um, other than that, I mean, it's it's some of the general housekeeping things around the church, cleaning bathrooms, vacuuming, dusting, um, you, you know, taking care of those cobwebs that you see hanging from wherever. Uh, it, it's those types of things that we'd love to get teams built and, and centered around. Um, and, you know, if we have 40 people who want to do something, you know, we'll set up a rotation or, or whatever. Because I think everyone has a part that they can play. Everyone has some strength in their, in their wheelhouse that they can do and, and offer to the glory of God. And um, someone's strength is going to be a lot greater than mine in, in certain areas. And so if we can leverage on those things, I think that's great. And, you know, and then when you get to you know, do it with other people, um, it can be a lot of fun. You build relationships, number one. You're building those connections with people throughout the church. And number two, I will, I'll use the term loosely, but it's kind of a connect group in that sense as well, where you're having those relationships and, you know, so-and-so, hey, can you just pray for me? As you're out cutting the lawn, you just start chit-chatting about life. And, you know, what a great thing to be able to connect with other people. And, you know, we're not going to be taskmasters, but you can take five minutes and pray for each other as you're, you're weeding or, or whatever it might be. I, you know, I think there's so many positive benefits from this. Um, and, and like you said, I don't have it all figured out, and uh, we're going to try to hit the ground running, but uh, these things will take time. And um, if, if you have passions on, on different things that you want to get involved in, I'm all ears. Come tell you, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if people have certain um, unique uh, skill sets, like you know they're an electrician or a plumber mm-hmm. or a or a you know furnace or whatever absolutely. carpet installer or whatever, um, they should let you know that so that we can begin to establish a uh, a list. Absolutely. Say, hey, you know, 
so-and-so, we need some help with, with this. Definitely, yeah. definitely. All right, well, hey, let's give Pastor Mitch a hand, and I'm going to wrap the service up. Thank you. It's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. You know, um, I wanted him, Pastor Mitch, to be able to come up and, and uh, um, talk about this, but I wanted to do it in a way that I could establish this theological framework first. Not that, and you could have done that also, but in the middle of this series, I wanted to establish this, that, that this is who we are. And the world's told you different things. The world tells you, and Jesus dealt with it. It's not anything new. Jesus dealt with it 2,000 years ago. You know, the disciples are arguing about who's going to be in first place. And Jesus, in, another, in two other sections of the New Testament, that's when he deals with this whole topic when he says, listen, I came to serve, not to be served, where he's saying, that's my identity. And so um, we find great joy. Jesus was the most joyous person in history, the most content, the most joyous, the most empowered. And you know what? He understood it came through being a servant. And so I want that for me. I want that for you. And I, when I'm saying I'm doing the bathrooms, I'm not doing that begrudgingly. I, the, the day we decided this, I said, I'm volunteering to do that. Because, hey, if Jesus can wash feet, I can clean, I can clean toilets. I'm serious. And have no sense of it's below me. It's not. Well, it's actually below me, but, um, but it's not beneath me. Um, and don't take that any further. So, so why don't we stand together this morning? Please join me in, in prayer. Father, um, thank you so much that you love us and you've given us ways to live our lives that not only bring great glory to you, but they bring great fulfillment to us. And so, Lord, we would pray as a church. We're just saying, God, we've never been here before. This group of people has never been assembled before at this strategic time in history, in this unique location. Um, It's never happened before. So, God, we know this. We don't know what to do next, but we're completely confident because you do. And so, Father, um, we love you. We trust you. We ask you to guide and direct us, God, um, in all that we do. And, Lord, I pray that for each person of Port Hope Church, that, Lord, you would just bless their lives. And that, Lord God, as we find fulfillment in you, that we really would shine like, like lights on a hill. And so, Lord, let your reality, the presence, that, that the Spirit of God that empowers us to do, that, Lord, you would flow through us today and in the days to come. So, Lord, we love you. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, church. If you want prayer for something, I'll be here available to pray. Um, Otherwise, God bless you. Have a wonderful day in Christ.